In February 2021, a pastor of a Baptist church in Georgia, USA, announced to the world news media that homosexuals and lesbians were welcome now to come to their church. This is shockingly against the Bible. Romans chapter 1, verses 26-27 For this cause God gave them up unto vile affections. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men leaving the natural use of the woman burned in their lust one toward another. Men with men working that which is unseemly and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meat. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. That's Romans chapter 1, verse 26 through 28. The Bible's the only thing we have to go by. The Bible shows the will of God in the matter at hand. We know the will of God in these subjects, such as homosexual, lesbian, divorce, remarriage. We know the will of God when we read the scriptures in the New Testament Bible. When I read this statement of this Baptist preacher, when I read this statement on CNN International News, I thought of how close we must be getting to the return of Jesus and the great tribulation and the end of the world. Because more and more churches will turn from Scripture. This is the great apostasy that the Bible speaks of. This is what Paul said in Second Thessalonians chapter 2, that Jesus would not return except there came a falling away first. And by that falling away, the man of sin, Antichrist, is revealed. And he moves into the church, sitting in the temple of God, as if he is God, opposing the scriptures, setting up other doctrines. That has to happen and has happened and continues to increase when we read stories such as this one on this Baptist preacher. For when the churches fall away from Scripture, that signals that we draw much closer to the coming of Jesus Christ, the wrath of God, the great tribulation, and the end of this present world. I was very interested in the way the Southern Baptist Convention would deal with this pastor. They removed him from their church group. They said they were removing him because he went against their tradition. They stated that in print on USA Today. I was grieved when I read that because they quoted no scripture at all. They simply said he turned from their tradition. And this shows even the Southern Baptist Convention pulling away from citing Scripture. Scripture's the only thing strong enough to hold Antichrist back. They're slipping also. Once again, in the Bible, we read this concerning homosexuals and lesbians. 
Romans 1, 26 through 28. For this cause, God gave them up into vile affections. We know it's a sin in the sight of God. We know it's a sin in the sight of God, like adultery, fornication, drunkenness. We would certainly receive a homosexual or a lesbian who confessed that they now knew this was a sin to be a homosexual and lesbian, and they had been born again and repented. Of course, we would accept them, just like we accept other sinners in the, into the church. But we do not accept and approve unrepentant sinners into the church. That's the difference. But when we state our belief, we must be sure to put Scripture with that belief. We can't just say, I believe this because I was taught it as a child. Or I believe this because the church I attend teaches it. We must tell the Scripture. So if you're going to someone ask you what you think about homosexuals, lesbians, you really need to quote Romans chapter 1, verse 26. The Bible says, For this cause God gave them up unto vile affections. Therefore, you are conformed to the Bible as a Christian. So your thinking is the same as the thinking God shows his thinking to be through the Bible. If you are asked, can the divorced woman remarry? How would you answer? Are you able to state what the Bible says? If you are asked, can a man marry a divorced woman without committing adultery? How would you answer that? Do you state what the Bible says as your belief? We conform ourselves to the Bible. We renew our minds to the Bible, we who are Christians. And we set ourselves in approval with the Scriptures. In the day of judgment, we will all appear at the judgment seat of Christ. And at that time, we will receive for that which we have done on this earth, whether it be good or bad. That's 2 Corinthians chapter 5. When we appear at the judgment seat of Christ, we must be sure that we are approving what Jesus said in the Bible because you will not survive the judgment seat of Christ unless you are in agreement with what God says in the Bible. It's not what you think about adultery or fornication or divorce or remarriage or homosexuals or lesbians or drunkenness. It is what the Bible says. It is what God expresses in the Bible. The Apostle Paul tells us in 2 Timothy chapter 3, For all Scripture, all Scripture is inspired by God. And by that we get our doctrine. In Matthew 15 we read this story. Then came to Jesus scribes and Pharisees, which were of Jerusalem, saying, why do thy disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? For they wash not their hands when they eat bread. But he, Jesus, answered and said unto them, Why do ye also transgress the commandment of God by your tradition? 
for God commanded, saying, Honor thy father and mother, and he that curseth father or mother, let him die the death. But ye say, Whosoever shall say to his father or mother, It is a gift, whereby thou mightest be profited by me, and honor not his father or his mother shall be free. There was a tradition in the Jewish people that if they gave a gift in the name, I guess, of the father or mother, they didn't have to give actual things to their father or mother, honoring their father or mother, supporting their father or mother. Jesus says, Thus have ye made the commandment of God of none effect by your tradition. Ye hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy of you, saying, This people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth, and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. But in vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. So many churches teach for doctrines the commandments of men that are not the commandments of God. The Catholics pray to Mary. Mary's dead. Dead people are asleep. She cannot hear you. Your prayer to Mary is in vain. Any prayer to a dead person is in vain. They're asleep, according to the Bible. Dead people are asleep. Jesus tells us that when he dealt with Lazarus, whom he raised from the dead. In this passage of scripture, Jesus clearly shows us dead people are asleep. They can't hear you. They can't see you. They don't know what you're doing, and they are not watching over you. That is God that watches over you. In the world, we have many movies which show dead people watching over the living. Carousel is one of them. But that's untrue. Here's what Jesus says about the dead people. John chapter 11, verses 11 through 14. Jesus says, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I go that I may awake him out of sleep. Then Jesus' disciples said, Lord, if he sleeps, he shall do well. Howbeit Jesus spake of his death, but they thought that he had spoken of taking rest in sleep. Then said Jesus unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And then Jesus says, But I go that I will awake him from the dead. I am the resurrection. Dead people are sleeping. One time my cousin said to me concerning her husband who had just died, she said something about going to decorate Thurman's grave. And I said, well, Why? Who are you trying to impress? Thurman is dead. He's asleep. He doesn't know you are there decorating his grave. So who is it that you're trying to impress? She thought about this for a few minutes, and then she said, Well, then it doesn't matter where we're buried. And I said, That is right. What do you think is going to happen? Do you think that the dead people under the ground are going to get together and play cards or something? They don't know you're there. So who are you trying to impress? I think my cousin was born again with that moment. She was not a church-going person. But when she agreed with what I said that was of God, I believe she was born again. 
I have hope for my cousin. She's now dead. Here's another scripture showing dead people are asleep. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 17. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, concerning them which are dead, that ye sorrow not as others which have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and will remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not precede them which are asleep. The dead people will rise first. There will be some living people still on the earth at the time of the return of Jesus, and they who belong to Christ will be changed into new spiritual bodies and removed from this earth instantly to meet everyone in the air. And that's what Paul is going to tell in this section of Scripture. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. There are many traditions of men that render the word of God invalid. And there are many doctrines taught in churches where there's no scripture at all attached to the doctrine. I've met several Catholics who've told me this story. Aren't you afraid to read the Bible? They taught us not to read the Bible. I've met several Catholics who said that to me. They're afraid to read the Bible. At one point in time, not too long ago, the Catholic Church taught their followers that it is a sin if a divorced woman remarries. But they didn't attach any scripture to that. They also taught their men not too long ago, that they were not permitted to marry a divorced woman. I met a young man in college. He was 10 years younger than I, but I met him. He was a former Catholic, had been born again, was now going to a non-denominational church. And he was very concerned because he had been taught in the Catholic church that he could not marry a divorced woman, and he was dating a divorced woman. I wasn't born again at the time that I met Bill, so I couldn't tell him anything about Bible. He said that the Catholic Church taught him that he could not marry a divorced woman. He's dating a divorced woman, so he was very confused on whether or not he could marry a divorced woman. So he prayed, God, if you want me to marry Kathy, have that car I'm meeting blink its lights. The car blinked its lights. He married the divorced woman. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 32, Jesus says, Whosoever shall marry her that is divorced committeth adultery. In those days... The Catholic Church was actually teaching this correctly, but they put no scripture with it. 
because they were teaching their people, do not read the Bible. It's dangerous to read the Bible. The priest will tell you what you need to know is what they were teaching. You're not going to be able to hold on without reading the Bible and having the, the scripture in front of you. When the time comes that the question comes up like it did with Bill, he had no scripture to go on. He had nothing he could look at in black and white on this subject. Of course, he could have looked it up in the New Testament and found it, but he really didn't know enough to do that. There was a woman in our church group who was very upset with a pastor who years earlier had told her that it was all right for her as a divorced woman to remarry, and she did remarry. And she was very upset with this pastor because after that, she was born again. Now, she'd been raised Baptist, but she wasn't born again until years later. After she was born again, she wanted to read the Bible. So she read the Bible and read all these scriptures on divorce remarriage and found that she had committed adultery. This pastor said she could do it because his sister had divorced and remarried, and he didn't see anything wrong with it. The Catholic Pope announced on television that he didn't see anything wrong with homosexuals. I screamed, what about the Bible? See, these people don't go by the Bible. They don't know the Bible. That is the thing that tells us God's view on the situation, and that is also what we will be judged by at the judgment seat of Christ is the Bible. That's our rule book. That's all we've got. There was a Jewish woman who identified herself to us as being a messianic Jew, which means born again, believing in Jesus. She was very excited over a man she'd met. She was a divorced woman. Pam Paget shared with her that, according to the Bible, if she should remarry, she would commit adultery. This woman said, oh, well, we don't go by the Bible. We have our own doctrine. I said, their own doctrine? There is no doctrine but the New Testament Bible. That's the only doctrine that anyone has that shows the will of God. Make no mistake, the Protestant churches are filled with traditions of men that deny the word of God. Also, they are teaching things like there's one Antichrist and that he will come through governments of men and their congregations speculate on who is Antichrist, who is Antichrist. The Apostle John told us there are many Antichrists and he said they were already there in their churches at the time he was living, he was speaking to a church group, his own church group, and he said there are already many antichrists. Therefore, we know it's the last time. See, the last time, they saw the last times, the apostles, John and Paul, they saw the last times as coming right after Jesus was crucified and ascended. And they told their churches, we know it's the last time because this is happening. Let's look at 1 John chapter 2. Start at verse 18. John says to the church group, Little children, it is the last time. And as ye have heard that Antichrist shall come, even now there are many Antichrists, whereby we know it is the last time. They went out from us, but they were not 
of us, for had they been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. In the time of John, there were people coming to their church group who had not, they weren't of God. They weren't born again. They hadn't been changed by God into the new creature that we are changed into when we're born again. They sat among them for a while, but the things they were speaking in the church group didn't sound reasonable to them because unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. You can't see the things of God. Paul also says the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God because they're foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them because they're spiritually discerned. These people were not born again, just as today. Many in churches are not born again. They put themselves into the church by their own will, by going forward, being baptized, trying to do things, trying to do good works, copying other people who seem to be spiritual, religious, without being born again. Being born again means God spoke to you individually, and when he spoke to you, he changed you. Then you're born again after he changed you. You're given the Holy Spirit. Now you can understand things of God. But prior to be born again, you can't understand things of God. And there are many ministers who are not born again. Through the decades, there were many ministers who were never of God. They put themselves into the ministry. And some of them looked at the Bible by natural eyes and set up doctrines. And one of them has to do with what is called communion, the Lord's Supper. So they pass around grape juice and crackers, calling it the Lord's Supper. In the Bible, in 1 Corinthians 11, the Apostle Paul says, when you partake of the Lord's Supper, you examine yourself. How? How do you examine yourself? Well, Paul's talking about The Lord's Supper is being the Word of God. When you read the Bible, examine yourself by the Bible and correct yourself by the Bible. If you eat and drink the Word of God in an unworthy way, you bring damnation upon yourself, according to 1 Corinthians 11. In all of 1 Corinthians 11, the Apostle is speaking of the Lord's Supper as being the Word of God, eating and drinking the Word of God properly, changing examining yourself by the word of God. But these men who did not have the spirit looked at this section of scripture and thought it was crackers and grape juice. So hundreds and hundreds of thousands of Christian churches today pass crackers and grape juice out, calling it the Lord's Supper. We commune with God through the word of God not through crackers and grape juice. It will avail you absolutely nothing to eat crackers and drink grape juice. Nothing, nothing at all. The Lord's Supper is eating and drinking of the Word of God. But this has become a tradition of men in the churches today. You can hardly find a Christian church today that doesn't do this. 2 Corinthians 11, verse 29 Paul says, whosoever eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. How do we eat and drink a cracker and grape juice unworthily? 
No, he's talking about the Bible, the New Testament Bible, the word of the Lord. Whosoever shall eat this bread of the Bible and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself. How do you examine yourself? You examine yourself as you read the Bible. And so let him eat of that bread, the scriptures, and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. That's 1 Corinthians 11. So they do this doctrine of men set up by men in these churches today. It avails them nothing at all. Just like using a rosary in a Catholic church and praying to Mary avails their followers nothing at all. Pam Paget was raised Catholic. She was sent to a Catholic school. And when she was a teenager, one of her classmates was killed in a motorcycle accident. Pam said that was the first time she ever realized that she could die. And she knew these traditions and things they were teaching in the Catholic Church were not going to help her. So she turned in prayer, and she said she knew from the Catholic Church that there was the Father God, the Son, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. But she didn't know which one you're supposed to pray to. So she prayed, I know that there is the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Will you please see that the correct one gets this prayer? I just think that's so charming. And she said, I need help. If you can do anything to help me, please help me. After she prayed that, she began to notice she was different. She said she didn't know what it was, but she knew there was now something of God in her. Years later, she was reading the Bible, and she saw that it was the Spirit of God that was living in her. We have that in two sections of Scripture. First, we look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3. It's in verse 16. Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? And in 1 Corinthians 6, verses 9, verse 19, What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? Your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God. Ephesians 1, Whosoever hears the word of God and believes it is sealed with the Holy Ghost at that time. And the Holy Spirit leads us and guides us and teaches us and comforts us and helps us. He is the Spirit of truth who lives in each of us who have been born again. Being born again is quite simple. God speaks to us, we believe it, and are born again. You cannot be born again of your own works of, of reading the Bible. 
You cannot be born again by going to church. You can't be born again by being baptized. You are born again when God speaks to you by His Spirit and changes you. It's instant change. It's not learned change. It's instant change. And that makes no sense to most people. You can't be changed instantly without first studying. No, that's wrong. Being born again is being recreated by God as a new creature. You're born again when God reveals himself to you. God revealed himself to Peter. We read that in uh, Matthew chapter 16, start at verse 13. Jesus was asking his disciples, who do they say I am? And Peter spoke up and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. No one revealed this to you. No human revealed this to you. You didn't read about it yourself and then say, Oh, I see. It was God who revealed this to you. And Jesus says, Upon this I will build my church. He builds it on that word, Revealed by God, each of us individuals who have had that type of experience with God, where He just spoke to us and changed us, we are born again. We are the church. One day I was at a uh, luncheon in Lubbock, Texas. Uh, Texas Tech sponsored it. I was sitting at a table that overlooked the Methodist Church. We were way high up, six stories or so. But it looked down on the top of the Methodist Church building. A woman at our table said, that's our church. And I said, we are the church. She was so shocked and angry. She said, she said, we're the church. I'm not a church. That's the church. And she pointed to the building. No. Well, this woman probably wasn't the church. But I was the church. I'm the church. We're not a building made with hands. We're individuals. We are the church who are born again, who have had the experience where God just instantly changed us. One young friend of mine said he stepped out on his porch and something happened to him. He was just changed. Pam Paget had a wonderful story of her Aunt Eunice. They had a family reunion, and Aunt Eunice had been a long-time Baptist, perhaps her whole life. She had worked at the church. She had cleaned the church. She had done all types of things all her life at the church. And Aunt Eunice got up and said, I am now born again. She's 83. I'm now born again. Just recently, she said, I was born again. She said, I thought I was born again before, but I wasn't. Aunt Eunice's daughter said to Pam, I don't know why my mother is saying this. All of a sudden, she's just started saying this. And she says she's always been a Christian. Everybody knows she's always been a Christian. Why, she's been at the church all her life and cleaned the church and worked in the church all her life. And now she's saying that she's just now born again. See, working at the church does not make you a Christian. Being born again by the Spirit of God causes you to be a Christian. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, 
Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. That'll happen to many people at the day of judgment. It's only if you're born again that you will be in the kingdom of heaven. And the people that are born again are not born again by their own will. They're born again by the mercy of God who reveals himself to them and changes them. Change is the key. I visited one time with my mother in Clovis, New Mexico, USA, and I saw some horoscope mugs in her cabinet, Zodiac mugs. I had given them to my mother before I was born again. I just opened the cabinet door. There they were. I took a garbage bag, put them in the garbage bag. My mother was watching me, and she said, Stop, what are you doing? I want to keep those. You gave those to me. I did not say one word to her. I just kept putting the mugs in the garbage bag. I went out to the alley to the metal dumpster where we deposited garbage. I broke the mugs, left them in the dumpster. I went back into the house. I took, went into my bedroom, got the Bible, and began reading to her Deuteronomy chapter 18 concerning witchcraft because my mother had always enjoyed horoscopes and fortune-telling and things like that. I read this passage of Scripture aloud to my mother, Deuteronomy 18. When thou art come into the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee, thou shalt not learn to do after the abomination of those nations. Verse 10. There shall not be found among you any one that maketh his son or his daughter to pass through the fire, or that useth divination, or an observer of times, or an enchanter, or a witch, or a charmer, or a consulter with familiar spirits, or a wizard, or a necromancer, for all that do these things are an abomination unto the Lord. And because of these abominations the Lord thy God doth drive them out from before thee, thou shalt be perfect with the Lord thy God. I closed the Bible, went back into the bedroom, left my Bible there, came back where my mother was seated. She looked at me and said, Well, I guess we'd better not do that anymore. She was born again. She agreed with God. And that instant, the Spirit of God caused her to be born again. I came back to Dallas where I lived. My uncle wrote me a letter and said, your mother has changed. She has really changed. That is what born again is all about. After we're born again, when we're born again, God changes us instantly. Second Corinthians chapter 5 verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. After we're born again, most, I suppose all of us, have a desire to read the Bible, to go to church, to hear the Word of God. I, I've heard so many people say, 
After they were born again, they had such a desire to read the Bible. We had a woman in our church group who was a drunkard. She kept telling her husband she was going to quit drinking. She didn't. One day something happened to her, and she was changed. And she went to her husband and said, I'm going to quit drinking. He didn't believe her. Now she has the power of God to do something she couldn't do before. Oh, I've heard this so many times. It's change. You're changed by God. You're not changed because of yourself. You're changed by God. Now, if you're not born again, what I want to recommend is you just fall down before God and say, please help me. For it's not a matter of what you do. It's a matter of what God chooses to do. And when he chooses, he causes us to be born again and he seals us with his spirit and we have the spirit of God in us then to be able to follow God. It's all by the will of God. We are the elect of God just like in the Old Testament the nation of Israel was the elect of God not because of their goodness because good lands. If you read about what they did, it was awful how they fought Moses. No, it's because it was just the will of God. That was a symbolic type of shadow showing the thing that was going to come with those who are born again. It's the will of God, not of our learning. Now, after we're born again, we're completely changed into a new, new creature. We no longer want to do those sins that we once did. And we begin to read the Bible and we begin to see things stated that are sins. And we know we once did those, but we don't want to do those again. We read the Bible after we're born again. And we can see things of God after we're born again. Because Jesus says in John chapter 3, except you be born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. You can't see the things of God. In these times that we live in right now, when churches are turning away from Scripture, setting up other doctrines, and the world is going completely crazy with all the violence that goes on and the things that we're seeing, we have a Scripture in Revelation 12 which says, the devil knows his time is short. So at the end of the world, in the last days, the devil will be fierce, rampant. I think that's what we're seeing. You better have scripture down. If you tell someone why you believe something, you better be able to quote that scripture. That's the only thing strong enough to hold on to and to keep Antichrist away from you. If you just simply say, my church taught this, you're not going to survive. You have to have the word of God in these last days. So you better look it up. If you believe that God has spoken about homosexuals and lesbians, look it up. Have Romans 1 ready to speak to those who ask you what you think about it. Same thing on divorce, remarriage. Have those scriptures firmly ground in you. Know where it is in the Bible, what it says in the Bible. Be able to tell a person in an instant what it says in the Bible on that subject. When they ask you, when they ask you, what do you think about this? Be able to tell them. 
in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 2 and 3, the Apostle Paul said, Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season. In other words, if the subject comes up at the dinner table and you know the truth, that's being instant. It's not that you make out a list of things you're going to tell these people. Don't do that. Be led by the Spirit of God. Trust God to open the door for you to speak the truth. Be instant, in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and be turned unto fables. We have fables all over in churches. Oh, sure, you can do that. God wants you to be happy. That's a fable. God wants you to do his commandments. Here's a commandment of the Lord. It's stated by Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 10 and 11. And Paul says that this is a commandment of the Lord. This is what God wants us to do, is the commandment of the Lord. Let's read it. Verses 10 and 11, Paul says, And unto the married I command, yet not I, but the Lord. This is a commandment of the Lord. Let not the wife depart from her husband. But, and if she depart, let her remain unmarried or be reconciled to her husband. And let not the husband put away his wife. That's a commandment of the Lord. Yes, God wants us to do that. The New Testament Bible is filled with the Word of God, which shows us the way of God and the way we're to go on this earth. And those are the commandments of the Lord for us, the New Testament church. And John said, You know that you love God when you keep his commandments. That is the love of God. And we fulfill the law because we follow the Holy Spirit who will not go against the Bible. The Holy Spirit, the works of the Holy Spirit, Galatians 5. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. Because when you walk in love, you're not going to commit adultery. It will hurt other people. You're not going to commit fornication. Because you will hurt yourself terribly. It's a sin against your own flesh, according to Paul. You can read uh, 1 Corinthians 6 on that. But fornication is different from all other sins. It's a sin against your own flesh. And at the time of sexual intercourse, the two become one. At the time of sexual intercourse, you will even become one flesh with an harlot, says Paul. Flee fornication, says Paul. Because you're sinning against your own flesh. Now those words are strong enough to keep a person. But if you just say it's wrong to commit fornication, that is not strong enough to keep a person. But if you'll take 1 Corinthians 6 and look at it, that will be strong enough to keep you. That's the only thing, the scriptures are the only thing that are strong enough for us. So know what the exact scripture says. Keep it before you day and night. Live by it. 
Thank you for allowing me to speak with you today.